Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that you are having a wonderful evening so far right now. We're pretty we're in a pretty hard situation as we speak, but it'll get better. We hope that everything gets better. We hope that you all are safe. Um, my name is Reginald Reese. I am the host of the Tennessee Valley Sports Podcast and blog. Um, I will up I'll post content as it comes and as sports go on throughout the coming weeks and the coming months. This podcast does run in conjunction with a sports blog that I also run myself. Um, there's more content on there as well. So in the description of this podcast, if you want to check it out, you can. I'll put the link in the description. So my podcast is available on multiple platforms, including Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Republic, and Stitcher. This podcast is dedicated primarily to Tennessee sports, pro sports teams, Grizzlies, Predators, Titans, Nashville, SC. I'm also hearing rumors about a potential Major League Baseball team as an expansion team coming in the coming years. So for this first episode, we have my good friend, Mr. Jarvis Davis, going to school here at Alabama A&M University. I'm a recent grad with him. Mr. Davis, how you doing? I'm doing good. Nice to be here. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. That's right. We all we all are hoping everyone is doing safe in these stressful times. So, once again, this podcast dedicated to primarily Tennessee pro sports. But for this first episode, we're not talking Titans. We're not talking Nashville SC or Grizzlies or Predators. We're talking the NBA Western Conference Finals, the Nuggets and Lakers. This is the first segment. The second segment will be the Eastern Conference Finals with the Heat and Celtics. Third and final segment, we have the NBA Finals and potential matchups. Who would do better with what with, with whatever team that could come their way? So, first segment, Western Conference Finals, Lakers versus Nuggets. Lakers up 2-0. No real surprise in this series. The Nuggets could have won game two, but Anthony Davis comes up clutch with a game-winning jump shot to give the Lakers a 2-0 series lead. So, Mr. Davis, let me start by asking you, is it too late for the Nuggets to make a comeback? Um, You can't count off this Nuggets team. That's one thing that they've shown us throughout the entire playoffs. Um, I do want to say, though, that I, I have the series going five games. And with the Nuggets losing that one last night, I think that was their game to win. So I think the odds now are higher that the Lakers ended in a sweep. But no, you definitely cannot count out these Nuggets team. That's what they want you to do. They fuel off it. So you think the one time that the Nuggets had to potentially steal a game is out of their grasp. Now, to be fair, this is a Nuggets team for the first time in league history. They came back from back-to-back 3-1 deficits just to get to this point. So who should step up besides maybe Nikola Jokic? Like, do you think Jamal Murray should take a step back to let the role players come up? Should he take a bigger role? I mean, as of right now, he leads the playoffs in total points scored of anyone right now. Jamal Murray is showing that he will be a problem in this league in the future, in the upcoming years. 
Um, right now, though, I think Michael Porter Jr. has to be the one to step up. I think he's the third guy on this team. And I don't, okay, I don't think it's going to happen this year. He's still pretty young, and this is his first time in the playoffs. But for this team to have success, Michael Porter Jr. is definitely the one who's going to have to push them over the hump to get them where they're trying to go. I can understand that. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. right now, 14 and a half points per game, but he's shooting 30% from the three-point line. That is a step that is a step down from what he's been averaging so far in the playoffs. Um, now he has turned some heads. You know, a lot of people thought when he got drafted that he would be a risk, and he fell from being the number one pick at the beginning of his time in college as a freshman at Missouri. So falling down to, I think, late in the lottery. I think the Nuggets had the 14th pick in the draft when Porter was taken. So he has been trying to turn some heads. There have been some injury concerns. But at this point in your career, you do need, I guess, would you consider him to be the third guy for the Nuggets to step up at this point and not someone like a Monte Morris or a Jeremy Grant or a Millsap even? Yeah, no, I think I think those are pretty good role players, but I think Michael Porter Jr. has to be the third guy in order for them to go where they're trying to go. I got you, I got you. And then when we look at this Laker team, they're up 2-0, no surprise there. You know, the Nuggets were given a 9% chance to win the finals. The Lakers were given a 42% chance. So no surprise here to see the Lakers up 2-0 on the Nuggets. AD right now averaging 34 points a game, 9.5 rebounds with 3 assists and a block. LeBron averaging a block himself. But 20 points per game and 8.5 rebounds so far in the first two games of this series. So are the Lakers more so leaning on Anthony Davis to win them this series rather than LeBron from what you think? Definitely. I think what this is that we're seeing with this Lakers team is LeBron trying to pass the torch down to Anthony Davis. I think this is kind of reminiscent of when LeBron first went to Miami and Dwayne Wade was telling him, you know, you have to be the man if we're going to make it there and trying to get him in that mindset of being the number one go-to option on a championship team. I think LeBron's now trying to do the same thing with Anthony Davis and He's going to push Anthony Davis to be there, whether he wants to or not. So, Anthony Davis so far has proven that he's up to the challenge. I got you. You know, right now, 34-9, and nine, that's nothing to shy away from and making the game winning shot. He's shooting 42% from three, 52% from the field. So far, an outstanding performance. Um, so far with the West, though, when you look at the way this Western Conference bracket played out, you know, the Thunder pushing the Rockets to seven, but the Rockets going on and losing at five. Then you have the Lakers, who a lot of people thought, no, nah, I got the Blazers winning in a sweep after one loss to the Blazers, and the Lakers went ahead and ran them out the building. And the Clippers, with their collapse, it kind of set up this perfect blend of the Nuggets to sort of catch everyone off guard and get to the Western Conference Finals. So when we go back to Denver, 
when you look at this Nuggets team and the season that they had, because statistically speaking, they kind of took a step back on offense and it was defense carrying the load. Do you believe the Nuggets will take a step back the way Portland did and kind of caught people off guard last year when they lost to the Warriors in a sweep in the 2019 conference finals? A question for me again. So my question to you is, do you think the Nuggets, with the way their season has gone and how they kind of snuck and caught everyone off guard and got into the conference finals, do you believe once this season is done that next year they'll take a step back the way Portland did when they won, when they made it to the conference finals in 2019, but then were out in five games as an eight seed this year? No, I actually don't. I think they'll take another step forward. You know, I mean, this team is pretty young, and this is really their first real test as a franchise. And I feel like they will only get stronger from this. Um, Jokic is only 25 years old. Um, Jamal Murray is only 23. Michael Porter is only 22, I believe. So I think this will be a great learning experience for them. Um, and I think they'll just come back stronger next year. And I think they'll be a real problem in the upcoming years. I think they might take a minor step back. Um, I think Nikola Jokic has got to improve his interior defense. I mean, the expectation was Anthony Davis was going to sort of dictate the matchup down low and Jokic really wouldn't be able to do what he can because... Jokic does have the body, but he may not be able to match Anthony Davis's length and his speed, especially running up and down the floor. Now, Jokic, in my opinion, has him beat as a playmaker. He's averaging five and a half assists so far in this series, but he has to step up defensively. And if Jokic doesn't step up defensively in the future, would that hurt teams where they have an Anthony Davis, a Joel Embiid? You could throw in maybe a James Wiseman, depending on how he develops and wherever he goes and gets drafted, or Carl Anthony Towns. Could that be the Nuggets' kryptonite? Are, are the Lakers exposing the Nuggets and their lack of interior physicality in this series? Yeah, he definitely will have to improve in order for them to make it where they want to be. But also, he does have to improve, yes, because he is not even an average defender. You know, if you could get to average or slightly below average, then I think you could look at your coach's defensive schemes and then maybe you can try and you can put certain schemes in place to hide players defensively um and also i mean you know some some teams like to go with the if you have a center that can't play defense they'll put a really gritty defensive minded power forward out there and that will help balance it out or you know if a center if one guy can't play defense then in the times where you need him to most, they'll sub him out the game and they'll have a really great defensive stopper for him off the bench. 
which also I forgot to mention Bobo is only 20 years old and he might end up being that guy for them in the future. So can't forget about him. Um, but yeah, Jokic, it would behoove him to improve on the defensive side of the floor. It would behoove him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like I said earlier, and I completely agree, you know, I think what a lot of teams saw to Portland, you know, last year was probably that their lack of size. You know, the Warriors last year, they still had a great deal of height on that team, despite all the players they lost bringing in Kevin Durant. And Portland didn't have the height. They had the shooting to go with anybody, but shooting is null and void if you can't see over your defender. And when you got the Nuggets in this situation, they don't really have anyone that can be that physical, like you said, gritty guy. You know, the Grizzlies had Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, Marcus Saul. It took the pressure off of players like a Jared Bayless and a Mike Conley in the past. The Warriors, Bogut was their guy. Draymond is their guy now. Um, for the Lakers, I would say, you know, would you say JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard could take the physicality off of LeBron since he is getting older? And Anthony Davis? Oh, yeah. Dwight, JaVale, AD. Um, In stretches, they'll even have Danny Green and KCP guard the other team's best perimeter player. LeBron doesn't really take that challenge until the ending of the fourth quarter, maybe the second half of the fourth quarter. Um, They really just, they leave it to those guys to take the pounding all game to save LeBron's body for the end. And, you know, I feel bad for Nuggets fans. Like, okay, in the sense of, not bad as in the run that they've had because either way the front office should be pretty proud of how well this team has played especially making arguably the greatest 3-1 comeback in history next to the Warriors and the Cavaliers 3-1 comeback in the finals this is up there and to have this type of run to be down 3-1 not once but twice is good but I think if you're in that front office over in the Mile High City you should be asking yourself who can we pair with Nikola Jokic to be the physical presence necessary to take the pressure off him? Because Paul Millsap isn't that anymore. He's age 34. I'm looking at his defensive win shares right now. His highest he had was 6.0. And every year since, and that was 2015-16 in Atlanta, they've gone down 3.8, 1.1, 2.9, and then 1.4. But also, and now this year it's 1.4. So defensively speaking, he has really regressed. Um, And you can also see it on the court as well. Um, If Jokic could build more muscle, he did lose some weight, but he has to build muscle. And in a physical Western Conference where you still have the Lakers at least until next season, depending on what happens in 21-22. Then you throw in the Blazers who have Hassan Whiteside to be that physical guy that they really haven't had in a long time. Um, The Warriors, they're only going to come back stronger in my opinion. T-Wolves with Cat, and you throw in that first round draft pick, possibly Anthony Edwards. There's a lot of physical teams in this conference. The Jazz, Rudy Gobert, you know, it will be interesting to see who could they target at power forward 
because Paul Millsap's time is almost up in Denver as we speak. So if they don't re-sign him, they're going to have to make some moves to fill that four if Jokic does not build the body to handle deep playoff runs, since this is his first truly deep playoff run. Any more thoughts, Mr. Davis? Um, no, not really. I just, I just want to say that Jokic has, he has done a really good job with his body as far as losing the weight. I don't, I'm not sure off the top of my head how much weight he lost. Do you know? I don't know either off the top of my head. I do remember though last year, so two years ago, Nikola Jokic kind of took the league by storm if you want to say you know he became the guy because um the nuggets ended up trading away Nurkic to portland and they went with okay you're our guy Jokic. we're gonna go through you and i mean i like the way he plays i love the way he can just get assists to make it look easy He'll go up, he'll shoot over you, he can kind of post you up if he wants to. Um, Shooting-wise, though, so far in this series, only 25%. I would hope that gets better for Game 3. I would assume it gets better for Game 3 because you got to fix that to add to the Nuggets' ability to shoot the lights out. Um, yeah, I think that's mainly the Lakers' defensive schemes more so than Jokic, his ability. I think that'll go back up to um to his averages and i mean to be fair you know that could be you know the defensive schemes and what anthony davis and d12 and you know mcgee are doing to him you know because physically speaking if you're taking on someone that's imposing like that and you don't match their strength it can throw you off and you can get worn out a bit more than necessary and actually Jokic over his career has had issues as far as stamina um the Nuggets realized that early on and they don't play him the minutes that normally Super Bowl star players are given um he's averaging 32 minutes a game at least this year last year it was 31 before that 32 and before that 27 um he has to that's why it's so big that he lost that weight right I just I just googled it. He lost twenty five to thirty pounds. Wow. So, yeah. let's close out this segment with this. Got about ninety seconds or so that we can kill right now. So with LeBron, he's back in the conference finals, two nothing up on the Nuggets. Presumably the series isn't over, but let's say they go on and sweep them and they go to the finals and win. Would this ring give LeBron a better argument for the GOAT. Oh yeah. It'll definitely help his his case. I don't think it'll be what gets him there. But I think what I think this ring honestly does for him is I think it will solidify his place as the second greatest. Um a lot of people a lot of people already think that he's the second greatest, but you know how the majority of people like, it's pretty much solidified Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. You'll find some people who don't agree, but majority of the people do. I think that's what this ring will do for LeBron. It'll just make it where the majority of people now 
without a doubt consider him the number two greatest player of all time. I respect you with that opinion. I'm going to save my opinion for the third segment about the finals matchups and see, and we'll talk about more so whose legacy is enhanced or brought down. But we're going to go to a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back with segment number two, talking about the Eastern Conference Finals Heat versus Celtics. Are the Heat a serious threat? Can the Celtics come back? We'll find out more and our opinions on which matchups in the third segment. Stick around for that. What matchups will benefit which teams the most? Stay tuned. We'll be back with you in just a little bit. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. First episode of the Tennessee Valley Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reginald Reese. Here with my good friend, Mr. Jarvis Davis, we are back with the second part of this episode. And if you're just tuning in, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, This podcast is available once again on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Republic, and Stitcher. This podcast also works in conjunction with my sports blog of the same name, the Tennessee Valley Sports Blog. I'll leave the link in the description if you want to check that out. So, here we go. We are back. Part 2. It is the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat. Celtics come into this series as the 3 seed, beating the 2 seed Toronto Raptors in 7. The Miami Heat, however, they had a bit of an easier path, if you could say. They beat the Pacers in a sweep, 4 games to nothing. They go on to the conference semis. They beat the Bucks in 5 and in your current Two-time MVP's quest at an NBA championship. Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. So, Mr. Jarvis Davis, thank you once again for being on this podcast. Celtics versus Heat. So, what did you think at first when the Celtics were able to pull off that game for your victory? That was definitely a big win for them because they lost that one. Then, I mean, it's not over till it's over, but, you know, it's not over till the fat lady saying she would have been warming up her bubble cords on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that it was a must win for them, and the fact that they were able to get the job done shows that you can't count out this team, even though I'm kind of surprised that they fell down Well, you know, there were some rumors in the locker room that Heat players heard some banging and some, I guess, metal banging against each other. When the Celtics went back to their locker room, they were probably visibly upset. You lose game one by three, you lose game two by five, you come back and win game three, 117 to 106. But Bam Adebayo left the game in scoring with 27 points and rebounds with 16. Goran Dragic has had a great playoff so far, averaging well of over 23 points, 24 points a night. Um, but Kimball Walker, he said himself he has to step up. He needs to step up in this game, in this series because entering the series and in games one and two, he struggled, I think, shooting about 30% from the floor. Yikes. So, 
he's tr- he's trying to step up and he's getting there, but he's still shooting 32% from the field right now. But Gordon Hayward, he's back, you know, he should be good to go. So could injuries keep the Celtics from reaching their potential and possibly winning this series against the Heat and going to the finals? I will say that it could only because I know Gordon Haywood is um Gordon Hayward is a very important part of this team. He's pretty much I mean when people said the Celtics were their favorite to win in the East, those people that said that their logic was they have three or four guys that can go and get you twenty five points. If you needed them to, Kemba, Gordon, Jason, and um, Jalen. So the fact that Gordon Hayward has been hurt this entire series, and I'm glad to see he's back. But, you know, now he has to play himself back into shape and get his rhythm going again. The fact that he has been out for this long, it has, it has, you know, lessened their their depth to a certain extent and I think that was their best asset going into this playoff run and when we talk about Gordon Hayward he was out for the first two games he comes back and he played 31 minutes 31 minutes and he put up seven field goals made two he went one for three from the three-point line one of two from the free throw line he had five rebounds Four assists, three steals, and a block. So defensively, he was fine. But offensively, he needs to start getting going. And they need it now. Because if you allow Jimmy Butler to find room and you allow him to heat up, you're asking for trouble. If you allow Goran Dragic to continue to take advantage of his matchup against Kemba Walker, you're asking for trouble. And Bam Adebayo, the same thing. And they need Gordon Hayward to match Jimmy Butler's production at the small forward position. They need that. Jalen Brown, he's a great player. You know, he's doing his thing right now. He is one of the Celtics' leading scorers in this series. 21 points, 6 assists. I mean, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. And Tatum's putting up 25 and 11 with 5.5 assists and a steal. But... When you have four players that are 20-point scorers, why is it so essential for Gordon Hayward to help this team win when you have four 20-point scorers in this series? It makes no sense to me, kind of. I will say the reason it's so important is because Kemba is struggling. Um, if, If Kemba, each game so far has been close other than, you know, the last one, game three. The first two games where the Celtics lost, they lost in pretty close games, and Kemba was struggling. If Kemba was playing the way we know that he can, then they would have they would be up 3-0 right now. But the fact that he's not, they need that other guy. They need Gordon, who could have been the difference maker, and he could have been the one to help them win those other two games. Well, I mean, and for Gordon, it... I don't want to shame him because he has been through a lot. I mean, in his first minutes as a Celtic, 
he's done for the year. You come back and, you know, you're proving, okay, I can be a reliable piece. And Boston paid him a lot of money to come there. But for you to be hurt again, especially at this critical point in time, are you starting to believe that Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens are looking at, hey, maybe we got to pack and Gordon Hayward and get someone else to share the time at the three with Jalen Brown? First off, you know Danny Ainge is a shrewd operator. He does not care. <laughs> that man is cold-blooded. He did ruin Brooklyn and, for a little bit. Yeah, so. I definitely think that Gordon Hayward's time is running out in Boston. Um, his contract, how as big as his contract is, it is a really good trade piece for them. And, it, you know... That's just how it is, and I hate to say it like that, but it's, you know, the NBA's a business. Well, right now he's making his average salary 32.7. His average salary is 31.9. He's currently making 32.7, but he becomes a free agent in 2021. So he's entering the final year of that $128 million deal. So, I mean, it's not... Gordon Hayward, when he is consistently on the floor, he can get you 20 to 24 points a night. He can be the guy that he was in Utah. I think people were expecting more of him when he got to Boston. He kind of took a step back. You know, I think even with Kimba coming there, I think people thought, okay, Gordon could still step up and be that guy next to Jason Tatum. But that guy's becoming Jalen Brown. And he's entering the last year of his deal. He could become trade bait next season. So we'll see because he becomes a free agent 2021 at the end of the 2021 season. So it's a lot, I think, on him. And I think he's also kind of stressed right now. He had a kid, but he didn't go see the childbirth. He's trying to be here for a team. He's trying to get a championship. But maybe, just maybe... We could be looking at the beginning of the end for Hayward's time in Boston. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take ourselves a minor break real quick. We'll be back with you in just a little bit. We're going to talk about more so now the Miami Heat and how their situation is on their side of things for the Eastern Conference Finals. And if this team is a legitimate contender to potentially win the COVID NBA championship, and then, of course, our third segment, it is about NBA Finals matchups. Who matches up well with who? We'll find out in just a second. Don't leave. Stay right there after this quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. We are the Tennessee, well, I am the Tennessee Valley Sports Podcast here with my friend Jarvis Davis, who also has his own YouTube channel as well, putting up different content, whether it be about college or life or what it means to just be, you know, a student in college trying to go on and achieve success. What is it like, you know, just 
in life. So go on and check out his channel. I'll put the link in the description as well. Um, it's a very quality channel. I will say so myself. And we have an episode up as well talking about the Clippers and that collapse as well as other stuff that are happening in the playoffs at that point in time. So we're back with episode one, segment two. We're talking Heat versus Celtics. Heat are up two games to one on the Celtics right now. We just got through talking about Boston and how they could potentially package Gordon Hayward if nothing works out in the bubble with him there in the conference finals coming back from injury. So now let's talk about the Miami Heat and the Miami Heat. A lot of people had them as a dark horse team and they are doing more than enough living up to those expectations, hitting the Pacers in four in a sweep. You beat the Milwaukee Bucks in five and now everyone is scrambling saying Giannis is going to request a trade and go to the Golden State Warriors. And this has been spearheaded by Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. Goran Tragic is making a lot of headways, reminding people, hey, I'm a pretty good point guard in case you forgot. Tyler Hero's coming up big. And in the regular season, Kendrick Nunn became a rookie of the year candidate. Are the Miami Heat just built to beat anybody in their way? I think people underestimate the depth that this Miami Heat team has. Um, Jimmy Butler. First of all, we all owe Jimmy Butler an apology. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone thought he could be a number one option on a championship team. Bam out of Bayou might be the he might be the most left on center in the league at this moment. This man is a quality all-star player. But I don't think he really gets that attention for real. But now, now I expect him to. Um, you have Duncan Robinson, who went undrafted and worked for everything he has. Tyler Hero, who, you know, getting drafted, people just kind of thought he was a shooter and that was it, just a spot-up shooter. But he has a lot more in his bag that he hasn't just he just wasn't able to show in college because there wasn't because the system that they ran. And yeah, Gordon Gordon Dragic, he has been a quality point guard his entire career. I thought that he was I thought he was starting to fall off a little bit because of his age, but he's showing that he still got it. And then not even to mention Eric Spoelstra, one of the greatest coaches in the league today. Um, this Miami Heat team is deep and dangerous, and I don't think anyone really expected this from them. But in hindsight, we all should have. Well, I mean, when you look at Tyler Hero and what he's done and proving the value of that Miami Heat pick, I will say this. The Miami Heat, for an organization that is typically playoff-wise and final standings wise in the east they're typically finishing in that four to six seed range they're always there but not consistently making pushes to go deep in the playoffs they have always found ways to draft quality talent or to seek out quality players bam out of bio tyler hero's teammate in college tyler hero himself 
And it's just, I guess it's just that Kentucky brand, you know, if you think about it. The players inside the bubble, Kentucky had the most active players in the bubble. Eric Bledsoe, Enos Cantor, Adebayo, Hero, Anthony Davis, Patrick Patterson, Jamal Murray, Shea Gillikis, Alexander, Nerlens Noel, uh, Hamidou Diallo, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, to go along with Wayne Gabriel of the Blazers, De'Aaron Fox of the Kings, Keldon Johnson, and Devin Booker. Fifteen players in the bubble right now. That is Kentucky basketball. And Tyler Hero is just another example of the type of talent that comes out of that program and the Heat pounced on him. They pounced on Adebayo. Adebayo might have an argument in the next couple seasons to be the best center in all of basketball. He is that talented. And Tyler Hero gives them a great shooting presence from the wing to match Jimmy Butler's ability to slash inside and his physical play as well. I mean, the Miami Heat, the way that they've built this team this year, a lot of people, again, had them going deep. I think they have the potential to beat anybody in this bubble. I think that's safe to say. They definitely do. I think that's safe to say. I think a lot of Laker fans would disagree because would you say the Lakers have more height than the Heat? But we'll get into that in a minute. But would you say that right now? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. But besides that, the Heat, if they want to play defensive, they can. As far as being in the bubble and in the playoffs specifically, the Miami Heat, the number two defensive team in the playoffs in terms of points per game allowed, number one, the Boston Celtics. So the two best defensive teams in terms of points per game allowed are battling it out, and the Heat are getting the better of the Celtics right now as we speak. Um... And then, of course, you got to clap it up for Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, who had an argument to be maybe coach of the year. So they have a very well-rounded team who can beat you offensively, who can beat you defensively. Adebayo putting up 22-10. and 10. Drogic 21-4 and four with three rebounds in the bubble. Jimmy Butler, he's putting up 17 points, five rebounds, and, and 3.7 assists. But Jimmy Butler, he has done more than his fair share to help anchor the Heat to get to this point. It's just everyone else stepping up. Jarvis, the Heat have seven players. I'm sorry, six players right now averaging double figures right now. Six. (laughs) How many does Boston have? If you have that written down. Boston is four. And it's the 20-point-per-game scores, Tatum, Brown, Walker, and Smart. Okay. But everyone else is six and a half and under with Brad Wanamaker being the next highest at 6.7. Yeah. And the Heat have 22, 21 from Gorin, 22 from Bam, 17 from Jimmy. 15 from Tyler Hero, 14 and a half from Jay Crowder, who I miss dearly as a Grizzlies fan. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. And Duncan Robinson at 12.3 points per game. 
and the shooting statistics the only person that is really struggling apparently is Tyler Hero at 28% from three besides that Drogic 38% well 39 really if you round up the numbers Butler 40% Crowder 35% if you round up the numbers Duncan Robinson 44% from deep this series they are shooting the lights out right now um, and then of course Bam Adebayo apparently his net rating in terms of the playoffs is second only to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar his net rating when he's on the court apparently is like plus 12 I think when they're off, when he's off the court I think it's like minus 7 so his net rating is up there I don't know the exact number but it is up there yeah I was reading an ESPN article, and apparently it's second only to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, that is something. Well, Mr. Davis, we're going to take another quick break. We're going into our third segment now. NBA Finals matchups were at the Final Four teams in the bubble. Nuggets, Lakers, Heat, Celtics. Of these four teams, who poses the biggest matchup advantage and disadvantage depending on who gets to the finals? And I'll also give you my take on what this could mean for LeBron's legacy as well, since that would coincide with these matchups and other players' legacies like Jimmy Butler and Tatum. We'll talk about it. Sit tight. We'll be back with you in just a little bit. And I hope that you're still having a very wonderful evening. Thank you for listening to the Tennessee Valley Sports Podcast, back with you for segment three. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the third and final segment of episode one of the Tennessee Valley Sports Podcast. This is in conjunction with my sports blog. Once again, if you want to hear it, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Republic, and Stitcher are some of the platforms that you can go and listen to this podcast to. This podcast works with my sports blog. I will leave the link in the description of this episode. So, here we go. Third and final segment. NBA Finals matchups. Now, Lakers leap the Nuggets two games to nothing. Heat leap the Celtics two games to one. A lot of people believe you have we have the Lakers and Heat as a finals matchup. But we were talking a little bit off air. You have a different matchup in mind. What do you think the world wants to see, sir? The world wants to see Lakers Celtics. Lakers Celtics. The basketball gods are smiling. The matchup is gonna happen. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Lakers and Celtics is what the NBA is about. I, I I also had Lakers and Celtics as well. That's the matchup I want to see as well. But Mr. Davis, with the way the Celtics are playing, the Heat might be in the finals potentially in five games if the Celtics can't maintain consistency, especially with the way Gordon Hayward has been playing. So. You have the Heat, Celtics. You have the Lakers, Nuggets. Who would you say wins the championship, and what matchup is the most favorable to them to potentially win it in the finals? 
So, I have Lakers winning. Right, okay. Now, what matchup is more favorable for them? That is a tough one for me to answer. I think I would say Boston. I think I would say Boston solely based on the way they are playing in this series. Um, the And the reason I would say Boston is because the Lakers are going, they're running heavily through Anthony Davis up to this point in the playoffs. And the Celtics do not have a big man that can guard him. Um, unlike Miami, who has Bam who has Bam, who's one of the best defensive big men in the league. Boston, in my opinion, also does not have the bodies that to bother LeBron the way Miami does. Miami has Jimmy. Miami has Jay Crowder. Um, so, ultimately, I think I would have to say Boston would be the easier matchup for them. Boston? The Celtics? Easier matchup, you say? Mm. Man. For the Lakers. Easier for the the Lakers. Lakers. (laughs) I really want to say something off the wall when I'm going Nuggets with all all their series will end in 3-1 comebacks. (laughs) And they win the championship (laughs) with nothing but 3-1 comebacks. But realistically speaking... They're going for it. That's the strategy. They actually might might go even deeper and come back 0-3 in this one. (laughs) Oh, so you're already saying Lakers in game three. (laughs) Um, Okay. uh, I can see that. You know, I think the Heat pose a lot of defensive issues to the Lakers when you talk about the matchups themselves, they have players that can switch on anybody, if we're going to be honest. Now, I do think right. the height, like we talked about in segment two, it doesn't go as far as the Lakers. Um, but defensively speaking, they can hold their own. Um, my champion, in all honesty, and who would be the best matchup for him, um, my original champion is out the bubble. The Milwaukee Bucks. I had them winning, and then Miami happened. So, but I'm buying in. I had the Clippers winning, and then Denver happened. (laughs) As much as I want to see Lakers-Celtics, as much as I want to see that historical matchup, I'm buying in. I'm buying in to the Pat Riley way. I'm buying in. Give me the team from South Beach. The American Airlines Arena? Or is it the center? <laughs> because the Mavericks have the American Airlines Center. And I think that he have American Airlines Arena. You're right. American Airlines Arena. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't mean to offend any fans out there. American Airlines Arena. Give me the heat winning this series in six. The Eastern Conference Finals, I think they'll beat the Celtics in six. I think the better matchup for the Heat is easily the Nuggets. I think for either team in the East, it is the Nuggets. They don't 
they don't match anyone's height in this series to have the shooting but the physicality if you will body them just enough and get them out of their groove you can't sustain making those type of comebacks all the time at some point you're going to get worn out the nuggets have played up until the western conference finals they played 14 games 14 games and then now they've played 16 more than anyone else in the bubble um give me heat and six over the celtics the better matchup for the heat would be of course the denver nuggets they don't match i think they can match their shooting but that's it um, I think Adebayo would really give Jokic a tough time. And Adebayo can right. defend the perimeter better than what people think. He is really good all around defensively. Um, and Jimmy Butler, the spark that he gives, the leadership that he gave that team with Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn and all the young players around them, he has inspired that team. And they're playing some really good physical, inspirational, all-around basketball and with the way he lights a fire in that bench, on that team, and in that organization, they are grateful they made the signing and got Jimmy Butler out of Minnesota. I mean, out of Philadelphia. Sorry, he's been so many. He's been to so many teams in the past few years. It's hard to keep up sometimes. But yeah. also, I think the Heat can beat the Lakers, and I think they will beat the Lakers. As great as Anthony Davis has been. And as great as LeBron James has been, the type of beast that the Heat are showing every single game that they are to the league, everyone's taking notice. And if they can beat the Bucks the way they did, because the Bucks have a lot of height themselves. If they can beat the Bucks the way they did in five, I would not be surprised if they beat the Lakers the same way they beat the Bucks. But I don't think that'll happen. I got Heat in seven over the Lakers. I think LeBron will put up a heroic performance, but I don't think the Lakers can match the Heat's shooting from top to bottom. I just don't think they can, in my opinion. Yeah, they um. They are definitely deeper than the Lakers. So if it comes, if their stars can come close to matching LeBron and AD, then the Lakers are in trouble because they don't have the role players to match what Miami's role players can do. Um, Miami, both, both for the Lakers, both teams scare me but in different ways. Um, With Boston, like I said earlier, I don't think they have anyone who can guard AD, and I don't think they have anyone who can guard, who can really and truly guard LeBron. Um, But Miami, they, Bam, Bam might be the best defensive center in the league at this point. Um, He's up there. Overall. He's up there, yeah, overall. He can guard the posts. He can switch on on guards. He can do it all. Um, and we already know what Jimmy brings to the defensive end. But then you're not even like Jimmy goes to the bench. You have Jay Crowder who can not stop LeBron, but, you know, just be physical with him. Um, they just have so much 
they have so much depth and so much defensive firepower. Boston, on the other hand, they scare me because I feel like they have more playmakers. And I feel like they have more people who can go, even though this series, they're not really playing that well. Yeah. I feel like they have more guys who can get their own shot. And that worries me because up to this point, the Lakers have only in the first series against Portland they pretty much said we're going to trap Lillard and make CJ and the role players step up and against Houston they said we're going to trap James Harden make Westbrook and the role players step up if they end up playing you know this series isn't over yet so if they advance past Denver and end up playing Boston what do you do you say we're going to trap Tatum and make Kimba Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward Gordon Hayward step up I'm not confident in that um with Miami though I feel like you can say trap Jimmy and kind of play your odds that the other guys won't be able to create their own offense the way that Boston can so they both teams scare me for different reasons okay I mean, both teams can scare you. I mean, with Brad Stevens, again, Boston, outside of Miami, Boston has been the number one team in the bubble in points allowed. They have so many players that can switch very quickly, and all it takes for them is maybe a second or half a second, and they can switch, they can rotate, they can guard the pick and roll. They're really good at throwing you off of your game. And you saw that with Boston and how they were able to just easily shut down Toronto. You could tell from a mental standpoint in the first two games, Toronto was out of it. Now, I think Miami is doing the same thing to Boston that Boston did to Toronto. But Miami also mentally took Milwaukee out of it. When Milwaukee went down 2-0, I think they were mentally beaten up because last year they were up 2-0 and you lose the series in four straight games. And Miami, they find ways to really mess with you. They find ways defensively to hurt you, to take you out the game, to throw you off. And you could see that in the rumors that I guess were confirmed about the way the locker room sounded from the outside in. So with Miami, I love the way that they play. I love the way that they bring their aggression out every single time they're on defense, and they're not afraid of anybody. They don't care who you are. They want this championship as bad as anybody in this bubble. And I do believe when it comes to them, compared to the Lakers, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, the Lakers they got to find a consistent, surefire number three. And Kuzma, he's putting up right now 10 a night. He's putting up 10 a night right now, which is good. He is, I mean, it's okay. He's the only person outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron averaging double figures, which says a lot. Whereas the Heat, yeah, they have six <laughs> players in double figures. 
If they don't want to go to Butler and Adebayo, Adebayo would just handle the defense in the low post. And as well as defending sometimes their best player or their best big man. They'll go to Drogic, who for the last few games put up pretty much 25 points a night. They'll go to Tyler Hero. They'll go to Jay Crowder. They have so many players where if you can't figure out a way to game plan for their starting five and their six man, then it's going to be really hard to defensively stand toe-to-toe with Miami's offensive firepower that they can throw at you. They can throw anyone on that top on their starting five at you. So I have a lot of confidence in saying Milwaukee's going to win the championship. I have a lot of confidence. I mean, that Miami, I'm so sorry, that Miami's going to win the championship. Um, do you believe when we look at legacies, whose legacy could get enhanced the most? Would it be LeBron? Would it be Jimmy? Would it be someone in the front office of these Final Four teams? What individual, I'll be specific, what individual could have the biggest boost in legacy from here on out? I say Anthony Davis. Um, AD. AD, yeah. Up to this point of his career, he's been kind of looked at as disappointed. Because he wasn't able to lead New Orleans to a winning, you know, a winning record where they're in the playoffs every year. Um, But now this is his first chance. This is his first opportunity on this stage. And so far, he looked like he's up to the challenge. But, um, you know, you have to get the job done. And you're kind of in a... I mean, of course, you want a win-now situation, but it's it's like each year after this, it's going to get harder and harder because LeBron's only going to get older and older. Um, next season, if they don't, if the Lakers don't win it this year, he's going to be back next year. Denver is going to be a year older and have more experience and come back hungrier. The Clippers, you you know the Clippers are going to come back humbled and even hungrier than what they were this year. You don't believe? (laughs) We'll save that for another episode. I don't know the odds. But yeah, and then just all the other teams that I didn't name, you never know what moves they're going to make in the offseason. So from this point forward, it's going to get harder and harder. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, they're they're going to be tough too. I think AD's legacy is who is has a chance to be enhanced the most from this year. <clears throat> Grizzlies and four. Yeah, yeah. I Grizzlies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, you're right though. <laughs> uh. So you say Anthony Davis? I mean, the one thing I don't like about people talking about Anthony Davis is. Well, you just never got to see him play, which in a small market, yes, that is true. But Anthony Davis was still known. We knew who he was because his games, he was going up against the Warriors in the playoffs or he was going up against Portland and carrying the Pelicans to the second round without DeMarcus Cousins Um, or 
the years where you saw, wow, this kid could be the best player in the league. And a couple of years ago, there was a debate. Who would you rather have, Anthony Davis or Giannis, to start your franchise? Like, people knew about the talent, the surefire talent of Anthony Davis. So, I don't like it when people act as if he wasn't really known. Yes, he was known. I think he probably has a more global presence. You could say that because he's a Laker. But, in my opinion, the person that gets there... In the States, he was known. In the States, he was known. But to me, it's Eric Spolstra. Um... If the Heat win, I think Eric Spolstra will have his legacy cemented as one of the best coaches of this era, Um, especially one of the best coaches of the past 20 years. And I say that so seriously because I was a big Spolstra doubter. I did not believe Spolstra was really pulling the strings on the floor in Miami. And when LeBron ended up going back to Cleveland. I had a lot of questions. But Miami came back, and they were a five seed or a four seed in the playoffs when LeBron left. They took a step back, got some few draft picks, and they're in the playoff hunt one more time, and then, okay, look, let's bring in Jimmy Butler, and the Miami Heat are once again on the cusp of potentially winning another championship. You know, I was a big Eric Spolstra doubter, and I still kind of question whether or not he was that good of a coach. But what he was able to do post-LeBron, and Pat Riley has a lot to do with it as well, but he was already established well before Spolstra was. Right. This man is finding ways to win with different players. He's finding ways to win. And he's finding ways to get the most out of this team. It's not just Jimmy Butler. Bolster's a good coach, you know, putting players in positions to succeed, understanding egos, because I think when you deal with a lot of big egos like a LeBron or an AD, like kind of like Tyron Lue, you understand how to handle and put people in roles where you know they're the most successful in, and he did that, you know, he's doing his job, he's, he's solidified himself to me, if he gets this championship, you can make the argument as one of the best coaches of this last era, specifically. Right. Him, Pop, Doc Rivers, I guess, is still in that discussion, you could say. Rick Carlisle is in that discussion. No. Steve Kerr. You, would you say Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches of this era of basketball? I would say so. So he's, I think he's cemented himself as... For this generation of basketball, I am definitely one of the best coaches there was at this point in time. Um, but any last thoughts, Mr. Davis? No, that's it for me. All right. Well, it was nice to have you on here. And once again, I will put his information in this episode description. So if you want to check out his content, let's discuss. I will put the link to the YouTube channel in the description box below. Uh, Once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. We're glad that you came here and joined us in whatever way possible. On whatever platform you're listening, thank you. Check out the blog. 
I'm starting to post more daily content. I just started the blog last week, so please go check it out. I just posted about the Tennessee Titans and that game review, winning the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, winning against the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. So, also, quick note, Roman Yossi won the Norris Trophy. I think I saw that notification correctly. Now, this is a big deal because that it, he is one of my favorite players on the National Predators. Yeah, Roman Rose, Roman Yossi wins the Norris Trophy as the best defenseman in all of hockey. He is the first Predator to do so. I will write about that tomorrow. So, thank you, Mr. Davis, for joining me on this first episode of the podcast. I hope that you have a nice evening. Good luck to your classes, sir, at the Alabama A&M University. The illustrious. The illustrious. Alabama A&M University. And once again, thank you all for listening to this podcast. Hope that you enjoyed yourself and had a good time. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a good evening. And please, stay safe out there.